Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Your host is Michelle Beck. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, thrivers, their friends and family by providing resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here is your host, Michelle Beck. Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network, and thanks for joining us today. My name is Michelle Beck. I'm a two-time, nine-year survivor of breast cancer. I'm the patient program's assistant at Breast Friends, and when I have time, I write at a blog called I Never Liked Pink. Before we get started with our fabulous guest today, I wanted to remind the listeners that I put together Warrior Stories episodes. I want to know what inspired you or helped you through your cancer journey or how your life has changed for the better since cancer. I know I have my journey, and if any of you have listened through my journey starting here since March, you know that our guest today, Dr. Shawnee, was instrumental in my being here today. So email me at michellebeck at breastfriends.org with your story. So today, we are going to be talking with amazing woman who's so inspiring about re-entering life after COVID, whenever that may be. But we're going to be positive and figure out the steps. So joining me today is Dr. Shawnee Fox a naturopathic physician and life coach. She just had such a profound effect on my life four years ago that it really led me to want to share my cancer journey to the world through writing and public speaking. And now I host a podcast. So I'm so thankful for her in my life and that she's able to join us today. So welcome, Dr. Shawnee. It's a great pleasure to be here today. So good to be here with you. Thank you. So let's go ahead and get started because I know this is a really important subject. So tell us what you do? Well, the nutshell version is that I help people who are impacted by cancer make the most of the life they're surviving for. Mm -hmm. So, which, you know, we made it through treatment and, you know, many of us, many of us still have ongoing treatment, but we still need to, to survive and figure out ways to thrive. And then, you know, we've been thrust into this pandemic and we'll get there, but I know from knowing you for four years that you have had a few careers, at least two that I know of in your life. So how did it come about that you became a naturopathic physician and life coach? Because I know it was a 360 degree turn from your last career. Yeah, that's a fair way to describe it. (laughs) I I was a CPA working in uh, a large corporation and during that time, that period of my life, my father passed away. Mm-hmm. And the experience of his passing was profound for me, not just the event itself, but what I learned from it. Basically, what happened is this, you know, I was, I was sitting with him uh, in his last days. He wasn't conscious, but I, I became conscious myself of lessons that I could learn from him. The most profound of which was this, you know, he was 80 years old when he passed away, but when he was 52, he was hit by an automobile as a pedestrian, and he nearly was mm. killed. Wow. So for, there was a period of about nine months. First, he was in a coma, and then a very gradual recovery. And he ended up living another 28 years. But the upshot of that was that he recognized how fragile and precious life is. 100%. Yes. And so as a result of that accident, he... I don't know if this was conscious for him or not, but the fact of the matter is he consciously lived his life in accordance with his values. In other words, he was very, very deliberate about how he lived his life and he didn't waste time and he didn't waste words. He just knew what he wanted out of life and he organized his life around that. In his case, it was mostly about spending time with family and friends. That's what was important to him, Mm -hmm. but he made that a highlight of his life and he, you know, did various kinds of service. He did all kinds of things. So, when he finally did pass away, and he did pass away from cancer, in fact, pancreatic cancer, and that was hard, but by that time, his life had been set up so deliberately, and, and the gifts of his life were so apparent that however he was going to go, he was going to go. I mean, there was, he, he died without regrets. And sure, so because he figured out the ways to live his life to the fullest. While he was living it, exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't the last minute thing that, you know, uh-oh, what am I doing here? So because I had decades, actually, several decades of that example, I realized, oh, you know, no wonder his death is, as these things go, so peaceful. He was very deliberate for for a long time now about how he was going to be here. 
So that was instructive for me. And I also realized at the time that I actually was not living in that way. I was, you know, I had this good career, a wonderful corporate career that was compensating me well, but I was working very hard and there was a high price to my family Mm -hmm. for that. And in addition, well, in addition to that, I, I actually didn't know if I was making a difference to anybody. You know, when you live, when you work in, in corporate careers, in my case, I was an auditor. I was working with money. I was working with paper at the time. Now it's electronic, mm-hmm. but I mean, it, it was, it was all, it, it wasn't about people. And I realized, right. you know, I, I just don't know if I'm making any difference to anybody. And so I determined, you know, I, I realized I really would like to be able to make a difference in some way for people. So I let that idea percolate a little bit. And after a little while, a dream came back to me that I actually remember having as a child. When I was a child, I remember wanting to be a doctor. And I hadn't pursued that for lots of reasons that were no longer relevant. Mm -hmm. And so the problem with, you know, this dream, at first you sort of dismiss such things. You know, you're well ensconced in your corporate career. You're being compensated. You've got benefits, you know, the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And yet that dreams kept on arising. It kept on poking in and, and making itself known. So you had all of the elements of the American dream. You had success. You were financially stable. You had your family. But you had other dreams that came to fruition. Another dream, exactly. And it simply wouldn't go away. So after a while, I realized, well, and by the way, this coincided with the time that I was becoming an empty nester. So my kids were mm-hmm. out and launched they were doing fine. And so I, after a while, I just asked myself, so actually, what is it that you really want to do when you grow up, Shani? <laughs> <laughs> I say that to myself. I yeah. said that to myself a few years ago, and I was 46, 47 when I was saying that. So, <laughs> Well, I was in my 40s too, Michelle. Mm-hmm. This was in my 40s. And so, um, you know, I had to ask myself, if I was going to be honest with myself, I had to decide, am I going to keep going the way I am? There's nothing wrong with that, but there was something missing in my heart. Or am I going to take this opportunity and do what my heart is asking me to do? So long story short, I decided to go for it. I just decided to go for it. And when you make a commitment to something, things come about in a way, it sometimes is almost miraculous. It's, it's amazing what elements came together for me to do this. Mm-hmm. Whole another story. But anyway, bottom line is in 2008, I graduated a naturopathic medical school. I decided to uh, become a holistic doctor um, f- that was more aligned with my philosophy at that point in my life. And uh, that is what I've done or the training I got, which has led what I've done, led to what I've done ever since. Mm-hmm. I love that. And what made you want to work with cancer patients in particular? But halfway through medical school, I attended a Grand Rounds presentation, and this meant that doctors would come in from the field, who were practicing in the field, and go over interesting cases with us. So this particular presentation was a doctor, a naturopathic doctor in this case, who was working exclusively with cancer patients and survivors, and he brought in with him a panel of current pan- cancer patients. And I was very, very moved by that presentation to the point of tears, really. And this was very unusual. You know, medical school was not like that and overall for me, but I was very moved that day to the point where I had a class right after that presentation, but I didn't go. I went and I sat in a stairwell and I asked myself, what is that? What, what, What just got to me about that presentation? And just by sitting with that question for a bit, just minutes, actually, I realized these people are so vulnerable when they're in the middle of treatment. Anybody goes through cancer treatment. It can be so aggressive. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and you're not feeling well. Your body's being assaulted. Your mind's been confused and overwhelmed. They're so vulnerable in that place. And that's in some ways hard to watch. But on the other hand, it's inspiring to watch because when people are at that kind of trough of vulnerability – they find resources in themselves that are absolutely incredible. They didn't know they had that kind of strength, that kind of wisdom, the things that it takes to get through cancer treatment. Mm-hmm. And so I was witnessing these beautiful, inspiring aspects of people brought up under the hardest of circumstances, and it stayed with me. And I also realized later on as I thought about it, well, when people are inspired like that, when they 
just feel like they've got to reevaluate absolutely everything about the life they've lived until this time. They're in a position where very often they want to start to make shifts. They want Mm -hmm. to address anything that was not satisfying them in the prior life, life before cancer, BC, right? Yes. (laughs) So, So as they go forward and as they finish treatment, as they heal, this is part of their healing. They want to figure out not only not how do I not get cancer again, because that's, of course, on everybody's mind. Right. But in many cases, I want to change up some of the things that I was doing up until now, maybe physical health wise, but also even emotionally or spiritually. You know, I want to live a different kind of life now, one that's more satisfying or more authentic for me. And that's a beautiful thing to walk with people when they are in that mode of wanting to up-level and upgrade. I love that because being a someone who's been through it twice myself, it really does make you stop and think, yeah. am I, and my cancer was caught very early both times, but I still had cancer. And you ha- it's that big, you know, the C word that it's something in the room. You're like, this is something that if had gone unchecked could have killed me. And if, if it did, did I live my life to the fullest? Did I get in everything I possibly could? And for most people, other than your father, that answer is no, because we're so busy focusing on other things, other things, which is why we need people like you to help direct us. And in, in my case, you really did help direct me and, and opened my eyes. So I'm obviously, again, forever grateful. But let's really quick, um, before we get into our big subject today, what is the greatest... Um, what are the greatest challenges in your work? Well, the challenges, of course, are more for the people I work with than for me, but the challenges that I see are many. There are certain common themes among people who survived cancer treatment and are moving forward from there. One huge one, and this is often the reason people find me, is this fear of recurrence or progression if they're still living with cancer uh, beyond treatment. Either way, they're, they're, they're uh-huh. fearful about the future as far as the cancer trajectory is concerned. Yep. So the fear can be huge. In fact, it's actually, I often say, it's actually the most common side effect of cancer. 70% of cancer survivors struggle with persistent fear in one way or another. Okay. I don't understand how it's not more personally. <laughs> well, even, even that, I mean, that's a convincing majority of survivors. Mm-hmm. It is most of the survivors you'll talk to. So, um, so it's huge. It's huge and not always acknowledged by the medical system. So that's one big theme that um, comes around often. There are many issues of grief in the period following cancer treatment. You know, at at first diagnosis, that usually happens very quickly. People can't even process basically what's happening to them. But as they're finishing treatment and going into the next phase, they're now processing what happened before. And at this point, people are even sometimes missing body parts. Uh, Their identity has often been scrambled. Um, They may have lost relationships that they counted on. So there could be any number of types of grief going on. This is another big theme that shows itself in a number of different ways. Guilt is a big theme in survivorship. You know, either why did this happen? Yeah. Why did this happen to me is a big one. I often Mm -hmm. see that. Or, or maybe and or, why did I survive and somebody else didn't? I just had that question come around to me yet again today from another survivor. Um, I I identify with all of those things. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Maybe both. Yeah, exactly. You know, but guilt is, is a theme that comes up very often. Sure. Well, let's go ahead before we have a couple of minutes before our break, but let's start talking about really why we're here today. And mm-hmm. as we all know, the world entered a pandemic 18 months ago and our lives have changed. We are, we are as human beings, such social creatures and it's, it's changed how we live, how we work. Um, how has that affected your, your client base? I know it's a very broad question, but. <laughs> yeah, well, there's. So cancer, survive, cancer patients, cancer survivors still have often the same issues, but the circumstances surrounding them right now are very different. And they often can amplify some of these things I just described. So, you know, a cancer survivor is feeling fear anyway. Well, right now the whole world is, there's a big theme of fear in the world. Mm-hmm. So, you know, even though it's not as simple as the world assuring people they don't need to be afraid, it's not at all that simple, but they can't look around them and see as many examples of people living calmly as they usually do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're sort of wondering what, what the heck's happened here? You know, how can I find my anchor in a world that's as fearful in some ways as I am? Um, there's also the isolation, you know, that's happened, the, the, this, you know, the social isolation. 
you know, it's well known and well researched that cancer survivors thrive when they have strong social support. Some of that's still in place, but the isolation has made that a lot more difficult to obtain. So um, that's been a difficulty. So the, the pandemic has, has amplified certain themes that were there anyway for cancer mm-hmm. survivors. Well, I, I know for us working at Breast Friends, we are a lot of what we do is in person hugs mm-hmm. and sessions in person, counseling sessions in person. And we've had to transfer to virtual, which is good, but it's not great because it's not the same because you can get support over a screen or over a phone line, but it really is just not the same, unfortunately. Uh-huh. And every, all these organizations are doing the best they can Certainly. as yourself. I'm sure, you know, it changes your dynamic with, with your patients to see them in person versus virtual, but it's, it's kind of the whole world has had to really go through that right now. So kind of an, an interesting um, dynamic people who've lived through the pandemic. They're like, Oh, well, if someone they know has cancer, like, Oh, well kind of maybe it was like that. So a little bit of understanding as well. Yes, indeed. So we do need to take a short break, but remember those of you listeners out there, you can make a donation on our website or by texting BF radio to four, one, four, four, four to help breast friends continue on its mission to ensure that women Do not go through cancer alone. Stay with us. We'll be back in a minute. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to continue our mission that no woman goes through cancer alone and to keep the show going. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can text BF Radio to 41444 or visit us at breastfriends.org to donate. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon or follow us on Instagram at Breast Friends PDX. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are tuned in to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Michelle Beck at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our program. I'm Michelle Beck. And my guest is Dr. Shawnee Fox, and we've been talking about life after COVID and how we deal with it and get back into it. So, Dr. Shawnee, how have you kept your sanity during this crazy period? I, I had to be very deliberate about my strategies, like everybody else. I had to be very deliberate. The first thing is um, I, was, I, I just relied on extraordinary self-care. I'm pretty good anyway about self-care, but I amped it up. I amped it up from, you know, that means for me eating well, walking. I'm a, I'm a great walker. I walk long distances, especially in nature. I have a yoga practice. So various aspects of self-care were very, very important for me to feel like I was um, attending to myself. Um, I stayed connected with other people the best I could. I also, I, I made sure actually to always have live people to see, not in groups and with proper precautions, but nevertheless, I was never completely isolated because I believe that is detrimental to one's well-being. Uh, and so even with precautions, it was just really important. You, you alluded to it before that, that I have certain people that I could hug, talk to live, uh, even sing with in my case, because I love the sound of the human voice. So um, having live connection. And then of course there was Zoom to supplement that, but live was absolutely critical um, and then the third thing for me was I always had something to look forward to. That That is a big lifesaver for me. I, I use that all, all the time in my everyday life. But during the shutdown, mm-hmm. it was extra important. So I always had something on my calendar to look forward to. And that, that's super my- important. And, and we also did the making sure we have people in our life. From, from day one, we have a family that we were best friends with. 
the end, son, our, our kids were best friends. The we, we all like just synced together. And so we had twice a week dinners back and forth. The kids got to go back and forth. And honestly, that saved our sanity 100% because mm-hmm. we just, we had those social connections. And I completely understand what you mean by keeping good regimens and self-care, because if not, that's, <laughs> then your life can just literally go into like a pit of depression and you're like, oh, I'm never going to get off the couch. So definitely setting a good example for that. But for, for the, the patients you work with, I know one thing that we've really been dealing with is uncertainty. And because, you know, our two week spring break that got extended last March is still continuing 18 months later. And we just don't know when it's going to end. And how has that affected the people that you work with? Again, this is a case of something that's already affecting cancer survivors being reflected in the greater society. Um, So uncertainty, again, is one of the central themes of life during and beyond cancer. You know, people just don't know if they have a future or not. The uncertainty feels huge. Um, So that's often what gives way to the fear, by the way. This is what creates the the fear. Um, And so when people around you are uncertain and therefore fearful, Again, you can't find an anchor anywhere in order to feel calmer because of that. So uncertainty is just more widespread and it's sort of amplifying the fears of cancer survivors. And and it's even worse since, you know, here we are even today, we have no idea until when this is going on. And so that um, open-endedness of it, which is very unusual for us in this, you know, in this world, we we, Mm -hmm. we don't usually operate like that. Um, But it's it's hard. It's, It's at least as hard for cancer survivors as it is for everybody else, maybe more. Oh, I'm sure because they're uncertain about what's going on in their bodies and what's going to happen. So it's just compounded for them. It's their worst nightmare. It's their worst nightmare compounded. Yeah, definitely. And so what are the other challenges that you've seen um, in those, your patients as hopefully we are gradually transitioning out? What, what are the challenges that are the cancer patients in particular are going to face as we get out of this? Yeah, so another theme that we can look at here is that, um, you know, the diagnosis of cancer, the way it happens in our culture, usually has elements of trauma to it. You know, it most often comes as a complete surprise. Mm-hmm. People, you know, they may or may not have symptoms, they just didn't know. And then all of a sudden, one day, this diagnosis comes down and life is never the same afterwards. It's pretty much the definition of trauma that it, what it means is anything you assumed about what makes life safe what makes life predictable just got upended. You know, the rug's been pulled out from under you. So that's what happens in a cancer diagnosis. And therefore, everything is uncertain and therefore the fear, et cetera, like we've talked about already. It comes from that point of of upset of assumptions. And as we can see right now, the whole world's had its upset (laughs) assumptions, right? So um, we're all dealing with some aspects of trauma right now. You know, I I mean, there's a lot of definitions for trauma it doesn't have to be diagnosable. We've had some exposure to a traumatic experience here. And so, again, the, the cancer patient who all they want to see is somebody peaceful, somebody calm around them, that it gives them a North Star, and they're not seeing that right now. They're not seeing that. Everything is so uncertain. So, again, everything just – it's hard for them to plan into a future when they can't even see a place in the world which is calm, mm-hmm. which, is, which, is, which is the place they want to go to. Yeah, it is. It is definitely, there is no, no lie. It is, it is a definite challenge for, for everyone right now. But um, part of the thing I think is we've experienced both emotional and physical connection, the loss of both of those two things, because we have, we're, you know, stay with your family, stay with your pod, you know, social distance, and we're just not able to experience those things. And how, how, what effect does that have on people overall? Well, uh, so cancer survivors actually struggle with this in many ways more than the general population. Of course, you know, everybody feels that lack of connection if that was the circumstance that they were in. Uh, and as I said before, connection is, is super important to the well-being of cancer survivors. They need to feel that they are, that, that they are being supported um, warmly and, and, and support that they can trust. It's, it's so important to them. So not only that, though. This same support is actually measurably important to the quality of life of cancer survivors, to their disease-free survival also. So this is actually a matter of health to the cancer survivor, not just, I don't feel good without somebody around me. 
It's, it's not a soft thing. It's actually a hard determinant of their well-being and their survival. So if they happen to know that, it's going to feel like pressure. It's going to feel more serious than it feels to the rest of us. You know, the rest of us don't like it, but we're not really thinking about this is going to kill me. Whereas in, a, in the situation of cancer survivorship, it's measurably connected. So we are, you know, the overall world is still looking for connection, but those of us who are cancer survivors, we, we just need that extra special touch, whether it's, you know, any, any way possible with someone who gets it, someone who's been down the road and, or someone like you who can help them pull out all the things they're experiencing, but they're not exactly sure what they mean. Yes. So they just, they need we need to figure out how to get that connection back, but it's hard because of the fear and just the uncertainty. It's just such a traumatic time right now. Yeah. And you know, you know, one more thing about that, Michelle. So interestingly, social support is the kind of social support that is helpful to cancer survivors is very specifically described in research. It's not enough just to be surrounded by people. They have to feel supported. So they can be in the presence of a lot of people. But as you said, if, if they feel like the people around them don't get it, they're not mm-hmm. going to feel supported. So they got to feel that they're supported by people who understand their experience. That's actually the definition of social support that makes a difference to cancer survivors. So yes, it's an extra I, I, factor there. Yeah. Yeah. I've completely lived that myself because mm-hmm. I went through my first experience of cancer on my own. Um, mm-hmm. I, I didn't know that I needed the support. Um, my first cancer was caught very early. I had a lumpectomy, radiation, and moved on. I had a, a toddler and I was busy. And and then the second time around, um, it so struck me out of the blue. And my treatment was such a different path that it really sent me into a tailspin. Mm-hmm. And so I needed, and that's when I found Breast Friends and I found that social support and it really, it turned my life around because there, I was being um, inundated, but in a good way yes. by women who understood what I was going through. Yeah. Breast Friends is a magnificent example of exactly what I just described, of people who yeah. really get it and, and support appropriately that way. So, yeah. And I'm obviously very thankful. But so in your opinion, as um, from everything that you've seen, have there been any lessons that we've learned from COVID that are useful to cancer survivors and or their their loved ones and support system? Yes. Yes, there are, I think. Um, you know, so we've been talking up until now about how the circumstances of the world have amplified uh, the issues for the cancer survivors because the rest of the world is feeling a taste, if you will, of what cancer survivors always go through, it seems. Um, the good news or the, the, the potential good news in that is that the rest of the world is now, has now a portal to greater understanding of what cancer survivors go through. I think you know, pretty much every survivor I've met has had an experience where somebody around them did not get what they were going through. And that was very difficult to overcome at times. You know, people assume, you know, it, it, one, one example that comes around a lot, people, somebody finishes treatment and everybody around them thinks that they're well, they're doing fine. Oh yeah. Your hair's growing back. You look great. You're yeah. good. Good. You know, you're so yeah. strong and you want to punch them in the face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and those things, I mean, the person may look great and they may get their hair back and all that. I mean, th- those all may be true, but that does not equate to I'm doing great. Uh, you know, in between the physical symptoms, the, the, the low energy sometimes, all the emotional turmoil, a lot can be hiding behind what may be a very put together facade. And the world doesn't tend to get this. And unfortunately, sometimes the medical establishment doesn't either. Um, you know, it's, it's an all too common experience that the day that treatment ends, there's all the celebration, which is fine. But then the next thing you know, the person's out, uh, their, their team has just moved on to the next patient and they're out without any support. And they're wondering, you know, they're full of questions, like, where do I go now? Who do I ask now? Uh, So there's almost a a bit of abandonment that goes on there. So there's all that confusion uh, as well. So even though the person is done with treatment, it does not mean they're done. And so this is something that the world tends very often not to get. And now that they have a sense of what it's like to be in what seems like perpetual uncertainty, to feel the fear that comes with that, for example, they have some idea, if they make the, the connection, 
then they understand a little bit more about what people with impacted by cancer have been going through all this time. Yeah, I, I, I can definitely experience that. Um, in terms of you as a life coach and helping people move beyond their cancer, how can, once we are getting out of the COVID time period, how is the best way to move forward to deal with the fear and the uncertainty and kind of just the overall, like, what do we do now? One of the things I do with people that I work with, and this is um, sometimes trickier than it sounds, is to help them look beyond current circumstances. We all have the ability to imagine. And even when things around us seem difficult, we have the ability to imagine a future that looks different. In fact, that looks just the way we want it to. We have this ability to dream, to dream things up, to envision things. And we can do that no matter what the outer circumstances look like. And so this is central in, in, in terms of moving forward from where we are on so many levels, on so many levels. If we get very caught up, and again, I'm not denying the, the, the emotional power, especially of what's going on in the world. There's so much suffering in so many forms, and there has been for some time now. If we focus only there, though, we will feel very dispirited. We'll feel very pessimistic. And so what we need to remember to do is that even though we have to work with those things on a day-to-day basis, we've got to hold a vision of where it is we want to go. And this is as true for cancer survivors as for anybody. It can be really hard, you know, when, when, when you've been experiencing cancer treatment and pretty much life looks like when's my next doctor's appointment when's my next chemo treatment so it's very day-to-day and hour-to-hour sometimes Mm -hmm. with symptoms and everything else which is understandable of course you can almost lose focus about what happens next which is why by the way when people come out of treatment and all of a sudden they're not scheduled like that anymore they are asking that question what happens next what do i do now it's like you're in the the ocean without a raft that's that's what it feels like doesn't it yeah that's a beautiful image actually appropriate so that's that's the a skill that we need to re hone in cancer survivors is yes things are confusing right now things are overwhelming right now things may seem still very difficult but let's look beyond that what is it that we want to move towards And that skill of imagining, envisioning what we want, I help people recall that, reclaim that, because it's still within them, even if they're not feeling like that in the moment. It's still within them. So we come back to that because that's going to put on, give us a North Star. That's going to give us a North Star to follow in terms of where do we point ourselves after all these experiences of cancer and, and COVID as well. It's true in both cases. So I love that because I remember the first time I met you and I was in a session with you, you did a visualization exercise and which literally led me to the fact that I want to write and I want to do this. And I drove home from the session that day going, oh my gosh, like I'm going to start writing and it's going to be out to the world. And because Dr. Shoney inspired me and I'm going to share it. So, you know, it's, it doesn't matter where you're at or what is going on around you. Anybody has that, that capability to do the imagine and visualize it and figure it out. So I, I love that. So um, if anyone is experiencing these crazy symptoms right now, or, um, you know, really need help, definitely find Dr. Shawnee, but we are going to, I'll tell you how to do that at the end. So we're going to take a break. And so stay with us and we'll be back in a minute. Become our friend on Facebook, post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline, visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to continue our mission that no woman goes through cancer alone and to keep the show going. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can text BF Radio to 41444 or visit us at breastfriends.org to donate. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon or follow us on Instagram at Breast Friends PDX. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific. 
12 p.m. Eastern Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are tuned in to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Michelle Beck at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our show. I'm Michelle Beck. And my guest is Dr. Shawnee Fox, and we have been talking about the challenges and how we are going to enter back into, quote unquote, life after COVID is finally over. So we just finished talking about amazing visualization exercises and imagining the life that you want to live when this is all, when this is all done. And we all have the capability to do that, but it will require change by most of us and um, which is something that definitely people struggle with. And, you know, some people are embrace it and some people struggle, but how do you recommend Dr. Shawnee that people can deal with change more easily? So it's not so, I guess, anxiety ridden or traumatizing for them. So change brings about a lot of vulnerability. You know, when, when we, when, when things when we had patterns that we, whether or not we were satisfied with them, we were used to them. They felt kind of safe. And anytime we are knocked out of a safety zone, whether it's cancer or pandemic, we're going to feel that uncertainty and, and, and like, I have nothing to hang on to here. So change makes us vulnerable. And we don't like vulnerability in this society. We do not like it at all. <laughs> it feels no. weak. If we feel weak or we, we, we tend to associate it with weakness because I'm not in charge. I hear that all the time from cancer survivors. I don't feel in charge here. So whenever we're in that situation, we tend to feel vulnerable and, and, and we associate that with weak and that is not tolerable to us. Right, because remember, as a yeah. society, we're supposed to be strong and capable and we can handle everything. And like for me, I was a A-type personality control freak and cancer just blew all that out the window. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. This is one of the lessons we get from cancer, that we can't be strong all the time. This is a point in life where we're actually going to be even physically weak. And so, first of all, I remind people that this is a normal response to the kind of change or the kind of events that you've been through. You know, if it, 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 getting surprised by that diagnosis, even traumatized, enduring treatment, then being, like I said, sort of shoved out into the world again without a lot of guidance these are difficult events, so it would be surprising if you didn't feel fear, if you didn't feel mm-hmm. the weight of the uncertainty. So I help people recognize that that's normal, first of all. This is a normal response to a series of events that they've been through. So that's the first thing, and I, I think people never, they don't think of that as normal, but in fact it is. So, you know, we don't want to get stuck there, but, but the fact that these, all this swirling emotion and, and, and overwhelm and everything else, this is, this is totally normal. Um, given that series of events. Well, that's very positive because there are definitely times when, you know, when you are feeling vulnerable and you feel very alone and you're, mm-hmm. you know, you feel like I'm the only one going through this, but yeah. that's not true because anyone who's gone through a cancer diagnosis or, or any other kind of trauma, it's, it, it takes you down kind of to your lowest emotional level and you feel just open and, you know, that you could so easily be hurt, but, it gets better. It gets better over time. You find the resources that you need and you deal with the change and you move forward because that's how you move forward is changing something. Yes. Right. Exactly. And you know, it may be scary or it may be exciting, but it is a change of circumstance that allows life to go on. Certainly. Certainly. And so, you know, people tend to get stuck in this place of, well, things are never going to be the same. That's probably true. That's true you know, every day. Well, that's true. And yes, and it's true of the <laughs> pandemic as it is of mm-hmm. cancer. 
Yes. So uh, we tend to think of that as an endpoint. Uh-oh, things aren't going to be the same. Now, even though it's a true statement, things are not going to be the same. That's very true. But what we do then is we look at both sides of that statement. It's true. Some things may have gone away. Things may never be the same in certain ways. And this is a window of opportunity. Because again, not everything was perfect. It felt safe, but it wasn't necessarily perfect. It may have even made us unhappy in some ways, dissatisfied. So now is our opportunity to say, okay, what would we like to take forward? And what can we welcome in terms of replacing things gently and carefully and with support if needed? But what can we welcome in terms of moving forward here? A a useful question is, well, what might I want to let go of? Maybe I actually want to let go of things and not just bemoan the fact that they're no longer here. I can make those choices and making those choices is empowering. So there's one aspect. There's a, a wonderful book out there called The Way of Transition by William Bridges. William Bridges is an expert in describing what happens for people when there is a change that requires uh, a transition in their lives. Because the change itself just happens. We don't have to interpret that as good or bad, but it's it's what people do with it. That's the problem. And and so he, or can be the problem. So he, he describes that in great detail. And he says, it makes all the difference if you see the change as a possible prelude to something wonderful. Not just a bad thing or a scary thing, but maybe it's going to bring me something so much better than what was before. And so that idea is also very useful in my work with people. What is the opportunity here? What can we see as, what can we anticipate? What would we love to see? That's back to the visioning part. What would I love to see? Can I be curious about this instead of complaining? So I love how you talked about the window of opportunity. It's because as, we, as we've said, it, it, things are going to happen, but this could be opening it up to something so much better. One thing that for, for me, even though I'm craving alone time in my house, I've got to spend so much extra time with my immediate family. Yes. And we've connected in different ways. We, we play more games. We talk to each other more. We, we go out, we go camping and more, more togetherness than we've had in the past because we were forced to be home. But that I, I definitely take as a blessing of one of the things that's come from this period that we will continue on with. Beautiful. Yes, it aligns with your values. In other words, you've got to live into one of your values more so now or during the pandemic and, and going forward now than perhaps was happening before. And that's usually a very good feeling when we are able to live in alignment with our values, then that's being authentic. That's being authentic. And so we have opportunities here to live more authentically than we did before, which is a, a situation actually we may not know it, but we all want that. We don't want to be fighting with the outside world or even with our, the people around us in terms of living the way we want to live. It's like my father. He, he knew what his values were, so he lived that way. If we can all live in, the, in accordance with the values that we've got, that authenticity is the calmest, most peaceful, and most satisfying way to live. And so that's actually what we're looking for here. How can you live in more greater alignment with who you would love to be? And if everyone is doing that, the world is going to be a much happier place for there sure. There you go. This is the road to happiness. It's funny. On the show last week, I did with Yvonne Nydigger, who you know, is about life after cancer. And we did a value assessment. And my number one priority was family. Mm-hmm. And it's it's so funny because no matter what is going on, it's that is for me is my family. And, but pre COVID there, there was work, there was school, there was this, there was that. And it might've been my number one priority, but it wasn't getting number one of my attention. Yes. So that has, that has forced me to do that. And that is a change that I will take as we're head out and back into life without you know, without COVID. So it's, there are definitely some good things that have come out of it, but I was able to sit with you a few weeks ago on a, a, a virtual chat about, about reentering life. And we talked some more, we talked a lot about this book. So I would love to hear more about it for our listeners. Yeah. Well, the, his, his great contribution to this field was helping people recognize that just when things are the most confusing, 
just when th- they, people just are completely unmoored and really don't know where they are, that that is fertile ground for creativity, that is fertile ground for planning, for imagining, for creating what was not there before. And again, we can get very tied up in the, what we perceive as the negative emotions of that, but because we feel unsafe, essentially. But if we're willing to just accept that, that this, is the, this is what happens after changes, this is, change does put us into what he calls the neutral zone, where, where we are not completely connected or not as connected as we were to what came before. We're not yet attached to what we want. We're, we're, in, we're moving from one to the other. He sees that as actually the juiciest part of life is what he's saying. So, you know, again, we don't necessarily associate that with an experience like cancer or with COVID, but in fact, we've, it's, it's such an opportunity. And this is true at the individual level. What do I want in my own life? It's true at a societal level as well. You know, we, we, things have, some things have broken down at the society level for us, or we're recognizing there was a lot more turmoil around them than there was before COVID. Um, you know, we see it in conversations about vaccines. We see it, you know, it, it doesn't matter. All, all these things that have, people have had to really reevaluate their own thinking about it and, and, and decide what's important to them, whatever side they happen to be on, but they have to evaluate their priorities. These are valuable exercises for people to get clear on what is important to me. And so there, there's, there's, there's a myriad, there's so many potential blessings uh, in terms of clarity and authenticity that can come out of these periods of time. And these are great guides, really North Star level guides for, for where we want to be beyond. Yeah, I, that's, I, I, I'm sitting here taking all these notes and you and I have talked about this before and I'm still taking all these notes, like, you know, put stuff on your calendar and always have something to look forward to and do the visualization exercises. And, um, but I, it really, it struck me what you said about just it being a time of creativity because we have been essentially stuck in our homes Mm -hmm. for this long period of time. And we're having to find new ways to, whether it's entertain ourselves, new ways to work, new ways to connect. And so it's, I think it's engaging different parts of our brains as well that we haven't had to in the past because we, we could go out and go to the movies and go to dinner all the time and see various groups of people. And, you know, that's, that's, it's getting better, but, you know, I, for myself too, I, I do still have anxiety though about going back out there. Mm -hmm. Um, the day that they took off the arrows at my grocery store, like go down the aisle this way or go down the aisle that way. I walked in there and I had like a mild panic attack and I'm like, Oh my God, people aren't going to be going the, the right direction. Not that they did anyway, but it, you know, it gave me that moment of panic. I'm like, okay, uh, they obviously know what the health concerns are and it's okay if people are crossing each other, but like, I, I, I do have anxiety. So it's, these are definitely things that, you know, I just need to help, breathe and so we can move move out of this <laughs> right right there's one more aspect to this that uh bridges makes this point but i think it's worth all of, for all of us to consider as well we are so independent in this society that we tend to think that we have to figure these things out ourselves and you know you alluded to this earlier the first time i went through breast cancer i pretty much did it myself um and then you realized in the second round how important support would be to you negotiating change is not necessarily a solo endeavor and it is not weak to ask other people to join you or to get ideas from each other or to support each other or to brainstorm together. In fact, this can be a bonding experience. This is a perfect opportunity for many of us to relate to the people around us in new ways because we've got new problems to look at right now. We've got new problems to solve. Mm-hmm. And so this is a, a perfect opportunity for people to be creative together, to talk together about what's important to them, find the commonalities or the differences, and both have value. There's, there's so much that is beneficial for us socially, again, as individuals or as groups in, in, in communities, et cetera, that we can use this, we can, we, can, we can benefit from this, that we have an opportunity here to create more profound and more meaningful connections with others through this process of negotiating all this change. 
I love that because most people are definitely not going to think about it that way. But we need to be reminded that we have these opportunities, this this change, like you said, it's the window of opportunity for us to move forward, yes. um, which which is so important because when whether it ends in a few weeks or a few months or God forbid next year, um, you know, it's it will it will end and there will be some normalcy that comes back to life. But hopefully we have found new opportunities and new ways to be creative and new connections. And I think that's what is super important to really focus on those things. And I so appreciate you highlighting all of that. We only have like one minute left. What, um, what is the greatest blessing about your work? I get to see people really digging deep and finding the, this wisdom and strength in themselves that they didn't know they had. And then I help them apply it to their lives. In other words, to live from here forward with that wisdom, with that strength, using what they gained from the cancer experience. And the results of this are inspiring. And this is, this is work to me that's more like play. Well, I don't know that I, I could have a much better answer than that. So thank you. How can our listeners reach out to you if they would love to get some of your expertise themselves? The best place is through my website, w www.drshanifox.com, D-R-S-H-A-N-I-F-O-X.com, where uh, you can, there's resources right there. There's ways to get in touch with me personally. And there's also a portal to my private Facebook group, which is Women Rising Beyond Cancer. Which I'm definitely a member of. So thank you. But Dr. Shani, thank you so much for being here today. It is always fabulous. And as you know, I'm forever grateful to you. So thank you. But listeners, again, drshanifox.com is where you can find her. If you or a loved one need our services, please visit breastfriends.org. You can make a donation there or by texting BF Radio to 41444 to help Breast Friends continue on its mission to ensure that women don't go through cancer alone. If you would like to nominate yourself to be a guest or share your warrior story, please email me at michellebeck at breastfriends.org. We'll be back next week. And until then, remember, we rise by lifting each other. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Please join Michelle Beck again next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We rise by lifting each other.